0: Let me do this, let's go ahead and begin this morning with a word of prayer and then we'll do just a little bit of review to kind of remember where we were yesterday and then we'll pick it up with, uh, with another kind of look at our mess and God's work of salvation from the book of Ezekiel Okay, Let's pray together Heavenly Father, you are so incredibly good to us We recognize this morning, we don't deserve the sunshine or the cool breezes or the meal that you provided to us, the rest that you've given overnight. God, all of those things just point to how merciful you have been to us in Jesus. God, I pray today, as we just look again at at who we are, and as we look again at what you have done I pray, Lord, that we would be convicted and encouraged and changed. I pray, God, that we would remember we aren't here just for information. We are here for transformation by your Holy Spirit's power. God, we pray all of these things in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Um, As we get started, guys, let me just remind you uh, that we have a book table over there in the Promised Land. One of the books you may want to pick up is a book called Rebels Rescue by Brian Cosby. Um, It can be really helpful in just kind of giving you categories in what God has done for messy people like us. Um, So that's one book I'd recommend to you. I'll give you another one here at the end of the day. Let's also remember, though, as we get started, uh, that this week we're talking about life. We're talking about the fact that life is good, uh, life is full of blessings, life is full of exciting things, uh, full of things that can bring us joy and happiness, but life is also extremely complicated, right? Or the word that we've used this week, our lives are also extremely messy. For all of the joy, for all of the freedom, for all of the rest, for all of the comfort, we also find things like guilt and bondage and failure and frustration kind of around every single corner. In relationships, in inside our own hearts, um, at school, at home. And so we need to, to see what God is doing in the middle of that mess and in our very lives. So what we did yesterday is we kind of started off with some ground rules, and we're just going to remind ourselves of those today before we take a fresh look at Scripture together. What are our ground rules? Well, one, we need to remember that our mess is real. Our mess is very real, and it's eternally significant. So we can't just ignore our mess or try to push our mess out of our minds or or isolate ourselves from the mess because it is actual. It is factual. It is right there in everyday life. And it actually does matter. Okay? Second, we saw that our mess is both internal and external. That means our mess is inside of us. In the things that we feel, in the things that we think, in the sins that we commit, in the confusion that we experience. It's right here in our heads and in our hearts. Our mess is also, though, outside of us, right? It's in the other people that you spend every single day of your life with. It's in the culture that we share together as 21st century Americans. It is in our world because our world is a messy place because of that we have to recognize that our mess is too big for us to address on our own. We can't get our hands around it. We can't ultimately deal with it. We can't be the solution to our own problems let alone the problems of the entire planet or the problems of our entire home or our entire school or our entire team. So we've got real problems, real mess We've got mess that's inside of us and outside of us. We've got a mess that's massive and that we can't handle. But here's the good news, the good news that we're going to look at over and over again today, tomorrow, and for the rest of the week. Our mess is something that God actually moves toward in and through Jesus Christ and the gospel. God doesn't shy away from our mess. God doesn't try to ignore our mess. God doesn't just leave us in our mess. He moves toward it and addresses it in and through Christ and the gospel. Just a reminder, God knows who you are right now. God knows where you are right now. Not just physically. God knows where you are emotionally, mentally, spiritually. He knows how big our mess really is. God knows what you actually need, what I actually need in this moment. And God adequately addresses all of that mess through the life, death, resurrection, and return of Jesus Christ. Okay? God's work of salvation is not fully complete yet, but He is working out all things for His glory and for our good. And for us, that can be an encouragement. So as we get started today, let's turn in our Bibles to Ezekiel chapter 34. Okay? Ezekiel 34. Now I'm going to start reading for us in verse 11. Yesterday we saw this word picture this this big story where God helped us to understand that we are spiritually dirty people desperately in need of cleansing and complete restoration and renewal and that God provided for us in Jesus such that we are new creations. Today we're going to see a different word picture. We're not dirty in need of cleansing, we are well something else. And I think you'll see that something else here very quickly. Ezekiel 34, I'm going to start reading in verse 11. And then uh, after verse 16, I'll skip down to verse 23, okay? So let's track together either here uh, on the board or in your Bible. What chapter is it? 34, verse 11. Ready? Here we go. Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I, I myself, will search for my sheep, "...and they and will seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep that have been scattered, so will I seek out my sheep, and I will rescue them from all the places where they have been scattered, on a day of clouds and thick darkness." I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries. I will bring them into their own land. And I will feed them on the mountains of Israel, by the ravines, and in all the inhabited places of the country. I will feed them with good pasture, and on the mountain heights of Israel shall be their grazing land. There they shall lie down in good grazing land, on rich pasture they shall feed on the mountains of Israel. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep, and I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord God." I will seek the lost, I will bring back the strayed, I will bind up the injured, I will strengthen the weak and the fat and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them in justice. And let's skip down. And I will set up over them one shepherd, my servant David. He shall feed them, he shall feed them and be their shepherd, and I, the Lord, will be their God. And my servant David shall be prince among them. I am the Lord, I have spoken. I will make with them a covenant of peace and banish wild beasts from the land, so that they may dwell securely in the wilderness and sleep in the woods. And I will make them in the places all around my hill a blessing, and I will send down the showers in their season, they will be showers of blessing. And the trees of the field shall yield their fruit, and the earth shall yield its increase, and they shall be secure in their land." They shall know that I am the Lord when I break the bars of their yoke and deliver them from the hand of those who have enslaved them. They shall no more be a prey to the nations, nor shall the beasts of the land devour them. They shall dwell securely, and none shall make them afraid. I will provide for them renowned plantations, so that they shall have no more be consumed with hunger in the land, and no longer suffer the reproach of the nations. And they shall know that I am the Lord their God with them, that they, the house of Israel, are my people, declares the Lord God, and you are my sheep, human sheep of my pasture, and I am your God, declares the Lord God. Alright, hopefully you picked up on it. Instead of being dirty people who need cleansing, here in Ezekiel 34, God calls us what? Sheep. What kind of sheep are we? Well, we're going to talk about that in just a few minutes, but first we need to uh, set the stage a little bit. This summer, they have released Toy Story 4. Um, I have not seen it yet, so no spoilers please. Uh, However, we're going to start this morning with Toy Story uh, 2. If you've seen Toy Story 2, Woody gets separated from all the rest of his friends and from Andy through a mishap at a yard sale, right? And so he ends up with this guy who is going to sell Woody to Japan for lots of money. Woody is lost, Woody is distanced from his home and Woody initially begins to see this new place as kind of a shiny, happy place with possibilities, but very slowly we begin to understand that this is in fact a very dangerous situation for Woody, a very unhealthy situation for Woody, but there's a problem Woody can't get himself out of it. So Woody is lost, distanced, and desperate, and trapped. Until his friends come after him. Keep that story in mind as we make our way through Ezekiel 34 today. What is our mess here? What is our mess, really? Our mess, according to the prophet Ezekiel, and ultimately according to God, in this chapter and in this life that we live, is that we are lost. We are lost. When you think about everything that Ezekiel has said here, it's very obvious that we are lost. We're lost in the wilderness of life. God compares us here, and you already noticed this, to sheep. Now, in case you've not spent a lot of time around sheep, that's not really a favorable comparison. Sheep are very unintelligent animals. Sheep will literally follow one another off the face of a sheer cliff to their death. Sheep have no chance against the many predators that are present in their world, like wolves and lions and bears. I should have said lions and tigers and bears all night. Um, But God says that's what we are like. And we're not just sheep. We're not just foolish and defenseless. We are actually lost sheep. So what does this, this lost feeling, this lost reality look like? Well, one, we're scattered. So it's not like we're all lost together. We're actually lost and alone. The sheep have been driven kind of to the four winds of the earth by bad leadership in the past and by their own sinful desires, such that we, you and I, are actually far away from one another. For years I worked at summer camp, not like RYM, summer camp out in the middle of woods on hundreds of acres. Okay? That's a lot of property. And we always with 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 guys and gals your age, we would play night games where we would literally take the entire camp put them out in the middle of the woods with nothing but a flashlight and usually tell them they had to get back to like a safe area without getting tagged. Now what was really fun for me as a counselor, or as a leader, is I knew the lay of the land. I knew sort of all the trails, all the trees, all the nooks and crannies, and I also had this massive black grim reaper robe that I would wear so it would cover my hands and my face. But what did that mean? That means I was comfortable with my surroundings, but the campers felt lost. So realistically, that meant I got to have a lot of fun scaring people in the woods. But I want you to think about that for a minute. Think about what it would be like for somebody to take you from your normal everyday familiar life and to put you all by yourself in the middle of hundreds of acres of woods in the middle of the night with nothing. You'd be disoriented, right? You would be lonely. You'd begin to feel kind of the weight of your own thoughts and your own feelings and your own fears. And what God is saying here is is that is what we are like. We have been distanced from God, distanced from others. We are lost and we are alone and we are lonely and we are scattered. The second thing here we, we learn about our condition is that we are also starving. We saw this yesterday, that that we were hungry. And here we, we see again in Ezekiel 34 that we are in fact starving in our loneliness, in our distance. The sheep here are desperate because they've been promised something that was satisfying by their bad leaders, but they've not actually found it. When you and I think about being hungry, I want us to think about our hearts and our souls for just a minute. I love sports. Sports can be a really good thing. I actually love social media. Social media can be a really cool thing. Instagram actually just keeps blowing my mind with like what they kind of pull off with their stories and all the stuff you can do. It's really neat. But here's what I want us to to realize, right? So often we take good things in life and we, we assume that we will actually be able to find satisfaction there and comfort there and contentment there. What's happening? Our hungry souls are reaching out for something that we think will be ultimate. I'm just going to say this like it is. You can hate me for it if you want to. But every single time I scroll through stories at the top of Instagram, and I see one of my students post something that says LMR, (laughs) like my recent, right? You know what I see? I see a, a really young soul that's hungry for approval, a really young soul that says, please tell me I matter. That's what I mean by being starving in our loneliness and in our lostness people put down their instagram to the cycle. Oh really? Yeah. I haven't seen that that's that's interesting um, the other thing we see here in Ezekiel 34 as I read you probably see you probably heard that we're also really exhausted God promises, we're going to see this in just a minute, that He's going to give us a place where we can lie down. But right now, in the early part of Ezekiel 34, we are just wandering aimlessly in pursuit of satisfaction. We're kind of bouncing from one thing to the next, constantly hoping, constantly thinking that this will be the thing that actually brings me contentment. You and I do this all the time. Some of you kind of bounce from friend group to friend group or hobby to hobby or activity to activity or video game to video game or Netflix series to Netflix series, constantly thinking that you will find the thing, but realizing at some point that you are just aimlessly wandering through life, never actually arriving at lasting joy and actual meaning. And so you're exhausted. It goes beyond this because in in this idea of being scattered and starving and exhausted, we also have been hurt, really hurt and injured. Because we've trusted things that aren't actually trustworthy. We've maybe put ourselves out there to someone that we thought was going to be a help and support and a friend. And what have they done? They've used us. Maybe even abused us. Let me just say this to you as somebody who loves you and is about 20 years ahead of most of you. The world is a dangerous place. Many times, even the people that are supposed to support and care for you will do the opposite the world is a place that will hurt you for all of the good yet to be found in the world it is also dangerous and so recognize that that oftentimes we end up injured, hurt, weak worse than that these sheep, us, we, we are enslaved and endangered meaning we've actually been taken captive by many of the things that are present in our lives Now, this was actually literally true in the lives of the people that Ezekiel is talking to. They had been taken captive by a foreign nation. We don't experience that as Americans in our present lives. But recognize that we have actually been taken captive and enslaved by lots of things that we used to enjoy but have now become our masters. Some of you recognize that, that you can't put down your phone. It's not even that you just don't want to, it's that you feel like you can't because you're constantly living for the next like or the next story or the next piece of entertainment or the next connection with a friend. Why? Because it begins to feel like the very essence of your life. Some of you have started looking at things that in the beginning it felt like life, it felt like satisfaction, it felt like contentment, but now you literally cannot stop looking at those things. Even though you don't want to anymore. What's happened? You've become enslaved to that pattern of behavior. Lastly, we're we're abused and we're afraid. So as these sheep who are lost and alone and starving and exhausted and hurt and enslaved and afraid. Let's just be honest. All of us right now, we're probably afraid of something. You know what I'm afraid of? I'm always afraid of being like seen as a fraud. I'm always afraid, even as a 35-year-old man standing in front of you this morning, I'm always afraid that you're going to like see through everything. At the end of the day, I'm just going to be a bald, chubby dude up here saying nonsense. I don't know what you're afraid of, but you're probably afraid of being seen for who you really are too, or who you think you are. So what do we need? We need a shepherd. I mean really, what do sheep need in order to be healthy in life? What do sheep need in order to fulfill their purpose? What does sheep need in the midst of a dangerous, deadly world? They need a shepherd. As we think about our condition, uh, I want you guys to think back to uh, 2017 with me. I know that's a long time ago. Um, But there was a a remix uh, that was put out, a song called Silence, by uh, Marshmello. And depending on how you say his name, uh, yeah, see, there you go, Khalid. He he told us how to say his name on uh, Twitter because a lot of people were mispronouncing it evidently. These guys, they don't necessarily say that they're Christians or that they have any sort of biblical world view, but I think they've really captured something about the human spirit. Just listen to how one of the verses of the songs goes. I'm in need of a Savior, but I'm not asking for favors. My whole life i felt like a burden. I think too much and I hate it. I'm so used to being in the wrong that I'm tired of caring. Loving never gave me a home, so I'll sit here in the silence. You know what those two men are recognizing in that song? They need a shepherd. The world has chewed them up and spit them out. And they need help that they cannot provide to themselves. So what's God's solution here in Ezekiel 34? I don't think this is a surprise to us, but it is still wonderfully good news. God actually sends the shepherd. Yesterday, I spent a lot of time kind of hammering home the idea that God does the work, right? Just look back at verse 11 though with me again here in Ezekiel 34. Thus says the Lord God. <clears throat> to really drive it home, just listen. Behold, I, I myself will search for my sheep and will seek them out. We don't talk like that. I, I myself. What is God doing? He's drawing all the attention back to Him. Right? It's like saying, me, myself, and I. I. God is spotlighting for us that He is going to do the work. I, I, Myself. What will He do? Well, He gathers His sheep together. He takes those who are lost, those who are needy, and He comes looking for them good news. We're going to look at that a little bit more a little later on this morning. But recognize that God knows where you are right now. And His work of salvation is a rescue mission. He comes looking for His sheep who are lost, who are alone, who are desperate, who are hurting, and He will find you. What else does He do? He feeds us. He feeds us with food that is satisfying and abundant and overflowing. It says in verse 13, "...I will feed them on the mountains of Israel, in all the inhabited places of the country, and by the ravines. I will feed them with good pasture, and on the mountain heights of Israel shall be their grazing land." Okay, if God's feeding us on the mountains and God is feeding us in the ravines and God is feeding us in the pasture land where is God feeding us? Everywhere. Everywhere. This is like going to Heaven's Golden Corral. Actually, that place is kind of gross if we're being perfectly honest. But that's that's the idea. It's like everywhere you look, there's food. Some middle school boys just got really excited in this room. Um, That's the picture though. God says, I'm going to feed you everywhere. You like pound cake? Here's pound cake. You like Skittles? There's some Skittles. You like country fried steak with gravy? And you better, amen. Here you go. I'm going to feed you in abundance. Because I am your shepherd. And a shepherd provides for his sheep. What else? God provides us with rest. Remember, we are wandering from thing to thing, from person to person, from experience to experience, and God says instead of wandering, instead of longing, we are going to, verse 14, lie down in good grazing land. That's good news. Some of us, maybe not physically, but even at your young age, just spiritually and in your heart, you want to know what it looks like to just lay down and rest. And God says to us, Listen, that's what I give to my people. In fact, Jesus said. Come to me, all ye who are weary, and I will give you rest. Rest. God actually binds up our injuries. It says, again, reminding us, look at verse 15 with me again. I, myself, (laughs) there's God underlining it for us again. Will be the shepherd of my own sheep. I myself will make them lie down. Declares the Lord God. I will seek the lost. I will bring back the strayed. I will bind up the injured, and I will strengthen the weak. If you were going to the doctor today, hope you don't. But if you were going to the doctor today, and let's say that you would cut your arm open, right? But as the doctor walks into the room, he or she has on like massively thick glasses. And you're just like bleeding out over here. You know, your arm is, is like 25 stitches away from being healthy. And the doctor walks into the room, kind of looks you in the eye, you think, through the glasses. Says, okay, stick out your tongue for me. And you're just like bleeding all over the table. Okay. Now, let me look in your eyes, let me look in your ears, and you're thinking, um, I think this is my problem. The doctor says, Well, you know, you're not running a fever, and I don't really see any infection there, so uh, I think you're probably good. You would say, What is your problem? You're a doctor, you're supposed to help. This is where I'm hurt. They can't see it. Here's what God does He knows where you're hurt. He knows where you're hurt better than you do. He knows where you're injured. He knows the relationships that have crushed your spirit. He knows the sin patterns that have actually enslaved you. He knows how to deal with it, where to deal with it, and how to actually fix it. He will bind up our injuries. He will break our bonds. He will bring us to a place of freedom. It says He's going to take us and gather us back to the land and actually break the, the bonds of those who have enslaved us. More than that, He actually conquers our enemies. You guys may not know this, but, but a shepherd actually had sort of like weapons. The shepherd's job was not just to get the sheep moving in the right direction, but a shepherd actually had to fight off wild animals. In fact, do any of you remember when David went to go fight Goliath? (laughs) Goliath was a massive man, a warrior in every sense, and David was very young, but he had been a shepherd. And so when David comes and says, okay, fine, I'll deal with it since nobody else will, they kind of laugh at David and say, dude, you're like a runt. And David says what? Does anybody remember? David says, I have killed what? I've killed lions and bears before. I'm not worried about this Philistine. You see, David in his work as a shepherd had had to kill the enemies of the sheep with his staff. So I think it's important for us to realize that in his work as a shepherd, God is actually going to work to destroy our enemies. Now that may be hard for you to kind of digest because you you don't quite yet understand the righteousness and the justice of God, But, but let me tell you, that is a very good thing. Because enemies in this life are real. And God will deal with them for time and eternity. In a way that really blows our minds, we see that God comes to us and He lives with us. Um, It would be all well and good, right? If God sort of like flew in, dealt with the problem, and then went back. That's not what God says. God says that He will actually come and that David, his servant David, will be prince among them. That he will make a covenant with us. And he will be our Lord and our God. And he will dwell with us as his people. That means in all of this work that he's going to do for us as a shepherd, he's going to be present constantly with us such that you can't turn around and not see the presence, the hand, and the work of God in your life. Now, can I be really honest on this point? Sometimes we are going to feel like God is not there. Our feelings do not negate the real promises of God. If God promises His presence, then His presence will be real. Some of you have seen uh, a lot of the Avengers movies. How many have they made now? Like 21 or something? All I know is that I heard if you were going to try to watch all of the movies before Endgame, that it was going to take you 45 hours. Um, So they made a lot. Um, Some of you have seen Avengers Endgame. Don't spoil it for those in the room who have not. But there are things that we come to know and love about every person in this picture over the past, what, 15 years? You know, we love the fact that Tony Stark is sort of this, I don't know, maverick, rich, intelligent, courageous guy. We love that uh, Captain America is sort of innocent and strong and, and loyal Um, We love that Ant-Man is is very humorous. And the Hulk is very unpredictable. And Thor is my favorite. Thor Ragnarok is probably my favorite Avengers movie. Um, Here's what I want you to understand, though. The shepherd that God promises in Ezekiel 34 is like all of the Avengers rolled up into one. without any of the struggle. What do I mean by that? Well, God basically says that when His Shepherd comes, He will deal with the problem, He will deal with the problem definitively, and nothing will stand in His way. There's not going to be a cliffhanger. There's not going to be a wait-and-see-if-victory-will-be-secured. There is a definite, final solution. God is using the language of promise here, right? I, I myself will. I shall. God is saying, this is the way it will happen. This is what I'm going to do. So what do we need to take note of here? Well, first... Recognize, and I just kind of said this, but recognize that God is aware of our mess and will adequately address every part of it without stress, confusion, or frustration. God knows where you are right now and who you are right now. And for many of us, we feel incredibly overwhelmed, incredibly anxious, incredibly stressed out, incredibly unsure, incredibly fill-in-the-blank. God deals with our problems without breaking a sweat. He is able. And He is coming. Second, we recognized this yesterday, God does all of the work again. I know I've made this point over and over this morning, but recognize in this passage of Scripture, God is not saying, okay, you lost stupid sheep. If you get your stuff together and kind of start walking back to the sound of my voice out of the woods, then I'm going to come help you. No, no, no. God says, I, I, myself, I'm going to come looking for you. I'm going to find you. I'm going to feed you. I'm going to lead you. I'm going to guide you. I'm going to love you. I'm going to bind up your brokenness. I'm going to defeat all of your enemies. I am going to accomplish your salvation because salvation is God's work. We didn't take a lot of time to look at this in this passage, but recognize also that God uses covenant language here. Now, I won't fully explain this to you, but when God makes a covenant promise, it is a binding promise. It's something that God cannot and will not break. We all know there's disappointment appointment of broken promises, right? That's not the way God works. That's not who God is. When He makes a promise, He keeps it, and He will bring us, then, lasting, holistic, final peace. I want to turn our attention to the New Testament recognizing that God has actually fulfilled all of these promises to us in Jesus. What, what is our mess? Well, we're lost sheep. What is God's solution? He will be the shepherd. What does God say in and through Jesus Christ in John chapter 10? Listen, this is Jesus speaking directly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. What is Jesus saying? You think this is accidental? You think Jesus was like, oh, man, I didn't know Ezekiel talked about that. No, this is very intentional. Jesus is saying all of that stuff that Ezekiel promised, that's me, that's why I'm here, that's what I've come to accomplish. That's why in Christianity, in the faith that we share, we recognize that Jesus Christ is the linchpin. He is the one who holds it all together. He is the one who has ultimately accomplished, finalized, secured our salvation. Because he is the promised shepherd who finds us, who loves us, who binds up our brokenness, and at any and all costs to himself, defeats our enemies and brings us home. It goes beyond that because you might think, well, that's great for like the church, which is billions of people. But listen to what Jesus actually says in the book of Luke, chapter 15. Don't turn there, just listen. Jesus told them this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? When he found it, he lays on his shoulders rejoicing. When he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost." Just so, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who have no need of repentance. What is Jesus saying? He didn't just come for the group of sheep. He came for you. He came to find you in the midst of your mess, in the midst of your discouragement, in the midst of your brokenness, in the midst of your everything. Jesus came looking for you because He loves you and because you are one of His sheep and He will do everything necessary to secure your good. Now in all of this, one other thing I want to take note of is that God's work has come and is coming. God's work through Jesus as our Great Shepherd is not yet finalized and complete, but it will be. There is coming a day when Jesus Christ will return and He will fully and finally defeat all His and our enemies. He will really and fully bring us into that buffet of blessing. He will forever come and lead us to a place where we live and dwell with Him. He will wipe away every tear from our eyes such that there will be no mourning or sadness anymore. as we finish up I want us to think about a movie that most of you have probably not seen it's a movie called Saving Private Ryan Uh, some of you know that earlier this month was the 75th anniversary of the storming of the beaches of Normandy which was really the this sort of turning point of the war in Europe against the Nazis on that day Literally, more than 100,000 troops were mobilized to invade continental Europe. And I believe, if I have my numbers right, more than 14,000 of those soldiers gave their lives that day in that effort. It is the largest military operation in the history of the world. Saving Private Ryan in the midst of all of that craziness, in the midst of all of that manpower, in the midst of all of that warfare is about the search for one man. You see, Private Ryan had two brothers who were killed in World War II. And so in kindness and graciousness to the family, they were going to preserve the one living son, but he was already engaged in battle. And so this team of people had to go in search of him. It was their primary mission to go find him. And so all of the energy, all of the troops, all of the firepower, all of the searching, all of the, listen, the death, was to find and to save this one man. That was their mission. And they accomplished it at great cost. In some ways, that parallels what God is doing for us. No matter what it takes, He will find His sheep, and He will bring them home. What's the big point today? God can find anyone, no matter how lost. This morning, you may be realizing that you are a lost sheep. That you desperately need God's work in your life. That you're so lost you can't even begin to define how lost you are. Everywhere you turn feels like darkness and confusion. Everywhere you turn feels like another bad attempt at finding satisfaction. Recognize that if that's you, you're exactly where you need to be for God to find you. Lost sheep don't save themselves. They look and they wait and they cry out to the great shepherd. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you again for this time this morning. Use it to strengthen us. And God, we pray. I just want to pray specifically this morning for maybe a young woman or young man in this room who feels lost, who is lost who is desperate, who is hungry in their heart and in their soul. God, by Your Word and Spirit and through the work of Jesus Christ today, find them, bind them up, feed them, redeem them for Your glory. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you guys. We'll see you tomorrow. Enjoy your time out.